And um, I think that um, two Wednesdays or so ago, Reverend explained to us that, especially for first service, everybody who is a worker in the church must be in first service. Do you understand? So it's a worker service together with a very serious service. Amen. So I was thinking that how best to, do we start our first service of the first service in the first season? And um, if you're a pastor, one of the most challenging things is to be sure that you are doing what God says you should do. And even you are talking about what God says you should talk about. So I battled it with it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then the Lord said, no. And you know, sometimes the Lord will tell you something and then you try and go and see if there are other options. And then you come back to square one and it's like, I haven't changed my mind. Is it exactly where you're going? So we are going to be talking about building a spirit-filled church. Hallelujah. Building a spirit-filled church. Amen. Yeah. You know, building a spirit-filled church means that we have to be, first of all, be filled with the spirit. It also means that we have to be anointed for service. And it also means that we have to keep being filled with the spirit. Amen. So even though we have a broad topic and we are saying building a spirit-filled church, we have to have a few disclaimers. And probably this morning, we'll just try and clear that out of the way so that we are really focused on it and we have a clear understanding of it because sometimes there can be a few misconceptions or misunderstandings. So I'm going to teach this morning. I might preach second service, but I'm definitely teaching this morning. Amen. Because when you have serious people in front of you, you can't joke. Everything you do must be serious. Yeah, Zelda is even in church, so I absolutely have to be serious. You know, um, yesterday Phoebe made a confession, you know, that why does Zelda have to have I said, your years have passed. You are now 18. So you can't be Zelda. Anything Zelda does, we will agree. And whatever she tells us, we will agree to it. So she also turns 18. Yeah. Nancy, if you don't know, one day Zelda will be 18. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sam and Hannah, if you don't know, one day your two boys will be 18. Ha! <laughs> The prayers you'll be praying will be different. Yeah. So, I wanted us first to understand that every Christian, because you say, ah, Pastor Gloria, why do we have to, I mean, what do you mean by we, are, uh, we should be a spiritual church? You know, we are Christians. So, I thought that let's clear a part because it's an absolute fact that every Christian has the spirit of God. Romans chapter 8. So we are not talking about that level. We are talking about, talk, going to be talking about a totally new level. But I will just give you a little recap on what you have always known or what, you, what some of us have or what all of us should have once you bear the name of Christ. You see, in, um, in, um, in Bible... Uh, or in Christendom, or in um, theology. I think that we can do a little uh, university uh, Bible theological class today, just a few lines of it, isn't it? Yeah, even if you don't understand, fake it. 
Yeah. Because um, I think we haven't done it recently, but one day we'll do, we'll do it. You know, I, 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 um, I discovered that there's a study of everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a, a study of uh, mice. There's a study of uh, music. There's a study of foolishness. There's everything. Anytime you hear logic at the end of something, it's a study of something. Yeah, it's any, any time, any time. There's a study of makeup. There's a study on this. There's a study, everything. There's a study on sex. There's a study, there's a study on everything. And in the things of God also, we have what we call theology, isn't it? Which is the study of God is the umbrella under which everything else is. You know, then you have things like um, eschatology. I told you the fake, just, ah, what is it? Which is the study of the end times. You understand? Yeah. Revelation. You know, then you have Christology, which is the study of the nature and the act, acts of Christ. You know, then you have soteriology, which is the study of salvation, which is where we start, isn't it? Yeah, then you have pneumatology, which is the study of the spirit, which is where we would land. I, I know things. 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 <laughs> For a science student, I know things. I know, I know things, yeah. You know, and uh, pneumatology is the study of the spirit. Pneuma is the um, Greek word for spirit. When you go into the Old Testament, anytime you see spirit, it's ruach. Do you understand? Which also means the same thing. But we don't say ruach logic, no. You know, because it was the Greeks who were very studious and they were the intellectuals. Do you understand? So, so we are going to have try and study a bit of it and have an understanding and a differentiation. Because one of the messed up things in the body of Christ is the spirit. It's either totally frowned upon or totally misused. Do you understand? Because if, if, if you're in a different environment and you say, oh, we are going to be uh, studying about a spirit-filled church, somebody's mind is going to go somewhere. Oh, so now we're going to be able to vomit in church? So, so would there be snakes roaming about, come out of people? <laughs> You know, so please bring your mind to the house of God. And, um, but um, for you to receive salvation or the process of salvation also involves the spirit. Do you understand? So let's look at that one because that's one we all have or should have. And we all should know that we have so that we can build on it. I can't come here and come and teach you uh, uh, quadratics if you don't understand one plus one and two plus two, isn't it? And we definitely can't differentiate any figures or integrate any figures. Exactly, if you don't understand multiplication and division. Yeah, otherwise, if I give you two X cubed and I say integrate it, F, um, Francis, what will it be? Two X three, what would it be? Quickly. Brother, well done, well done, well done. Clap for Evans, clap for Evans. <laughs> all the art students can just say amen. amen. Yeah. So knowing the basic of the spirit, which is salvation, do you understand? That is what the, the spirit first brings into your life. Romans chapter 8, we're going to read a few scriptures. The first thing I'm saying is that every born again person receives the spirit of sonship in the new birth. 
every born-again Christian receives the spirit of sonship in the, or daughtership, okay, for gender um, equality in the new birth. Romans chapter 8, we'll read a few verses there. Verse 9, the Bible says that you even realize that when it comes to um, first service, I'll be sticking to King James. Second service, we can go anywhere we want to go. But ye are not in the flesh, verse 9, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So you cannot be a Christian if you do not have the spirit of God. Then verse number 14. The Bible says, For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also glorified, be glorified with him. Amen. So all of us have been adapted into that lineage and the spirit that is in us is bearing witness with the spirit of God and confirming that we have received salvation. So when you are born again, you automatically have some spirit movements. Amen. It will not be dramatic. It will not be like Paul's conversion or anything, but it's equally powerful. Amen. I am praying that as a church, as we continue to study on this, we will become more in tune with what it means to be filled with the spirit, to have the spirit, to use the spirit. Do you understand? So that we'll use it to all its fullness rather than limit it to one thing. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, number two, every Christian receives a measure of the spirit at their new birth. Every Christian receives a measure of the spirit at their new birth. Matthew chapter three, you know, everybody receives a measure of the spirit. So if you bear the title of a Christian, you have a measure of the spirit. And um, John was explaining it. He said, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, the Bible says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. So my, how many things have I given you? Two or three? My third thing is that the fact that you have received the spirit at birth does not mean that you are filled with the spirit. Amen. Yeah. So the fact that you have received the spirit at birth does not mean that you are 
filled with the Spirit. Because, and um, I wanted to, because when you have a glass of water, it doesn't mean that you are filled with water. Do, do, do you understand? Yeah. It may mean that your thirst has been quenched, but it doesn't mean that you have been filled with water. It doesn't mean you are full of water. Do you understand what I'm saying? But it just means that you have had some water. Acts chapter 1. In fact, I, was, I wanted to use an illustration so that we'll remember it always. Where's my table and my, uh, my glass? Because I wanted us to, you know, appreciate the fact that that when it comes to the spirit of God, um, can I ask get my, where is him? Oh, okay. Wow, you look really handsome. Wow. Yeah. Prince is a young is man, yes. Yeah, and he's also very studious, very extremely intelligent, you know. He, he's of the distinction level, and um, he has capacity for great things. And uh, he loves God dearly. And he's actually extremely anointed. And um, his passion for the things. You people, when I even publicize you, you don't give me offering for this publicity. Yeah. So I, 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 I always equate this with the fact that when you receive salvation, when you are touched by the Spirit, to even lift up your hand and say, I want to give my life to Christ or whatever. You know, that whole process is because the spirit of God has sort of come into you. But you see, even though you have received some water, you can't say you are full of water. You cannot say you are full of water. So John was trying to explain to them. He said, listen, I've been baptizing you with water, but when... Christ comes, he will baptize you with the spirit and with fire. And so we go to Acts chapter 1, and we'll look at the two scriptures. I'm determined that 10 minutes to 11, we end. <laughs> Somebody say, Pastor, we are praying for you. <laughs> Acts chapter 1. The Bible says, I'm going to read from verse 4. And being assembled together with them, commanding them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. You know, a lot of the time, those words are interchangeable. So sometimes they'll say Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. We are still talking of the person. One of the things you should stop saying Holy Spirit is not an it. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going and I will send you a comforter. And when he comes, it's a person. It's not an it. Do you it's not a thing. Do you understand? It's, it's God on earth as a spirit. Do you understand? That's why they say Holy Ghost because it's not something that maybe you can touch physically. It's not tangible. But the truth is that the more you become filled with the spirit of God, the more tangible it becomes. Verse number seven, the Bible says that, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times and or the seasons which the father has put in his own power, 
but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Acts chapter 2. The Bible is telling us that when the Holy Spirit is given to you, there's always a specific reason to, for it, when, especially when you are baptized in the spirit. That's why I say that we are going to study on being filled with the spirit. Then we are going to study on being anointed by the spirit. And then we are going to study on keeping, be, keep on being filled by the spirit. Because also when you drink water, after a while you get thirsty again. When you buy petrol, after a while you have to buy petrol again. In fact, let me go there a bit more. When you have a certain kind of car, when you buy petrol, even when you reach your destination, you have to buy petrol again. Yeah. And then when you have the kind of car where your petrol mark gauge is not working, you just have to get a gallon and keep petrol in your car. Yeah. When the, you know, in uh, certain states in America, they get ridiculous temperatures, you know, like California and Atlanta, and they get some heat waves that is inhumane. So as a city, what they literally do is that along the streets, they have water fountains, you know, like water fountains, that even as you're going, you can just turn on and shower yourself to cool down and drink some, you know, sometimes they'll put like drums of water bottles so that you pick, you know, because just by virtue of your journey even to town and back, you need a bit more water. Yeah. So, you see, even when we, are, we, we explain how you get filled by the Spirit, don't assume that, okay, now I'm full. No, because you are going to use it up. So, as you use it up, you have to be filled with more. And that is why sometimes we requalify you as a dry Christian. You become a desert land. When we say dryness, it's just the absence of water. Yeah. Because you have dried out. And you see, so one thing that will help you never to backslide is always to be filled with the spirit. Yeah. Because when you have living water inside, you cannot backslide. And one of the things also, for those who are married. <laughs> no, I don't go there. It's first service, serious service, but. I am still learning how to get uh, pastoral examples. But you see, when you are married, do you understand? And as a husband or wife, you are full. You don't go, when people offer you food, you don't eat. Because you have eaten. Yeah, you see, I've redefined it. I've said it so nicely. It has worked. That, that was a, yeah, but you see, you people, because of the way your mind is. Yeah. Because you, are, you get enough food to eat at home and because you eat, do you understand? You make sure that you're always full. You have a balanced diet. Nobody can tempt you with any other kind of food. Do, 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 do you understand? You don't want it. And when the quality of the food you're eating is good, you don't want, yeah. Because you see, sometimes, because we trivialize the spirit of God or we make it of none effect, it makes other weird spirits appear and look powerful. And so you'll find Christians chasing after spirits that they think are more filling. You'll find even parents who take their children to places, and the parents are Christians. Yeah, they are orthodox, they are charismatic, whatever. But they'll say that for this particular issue, we need this kind of spirit. 
because that is the image that has been given about the spirit of God. And because we say it's like a dove, you know, you know, it's a gentleman, something, something. They go and ask those two, that husband and wife, when the spirit cast them down for lying. Right? I wish those days would come back. That when you come to church and you lie, but we will fall. You are not under the Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh dear. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Yeah. I pray that you are having a different understanding that you understand. Don't, don't make it like a textbook uh, knowledge. It's just that, okay, yeah, there's a spirit. And don't also make it spooky. Don't make it spooky. It's the spookiness. You see how the devil works? He will spookify it till we don't want it again. Till we reject it. Till we want to become new age Christians. Do you understand? Till we want to modernize Christianity. Do you understand? Yeah. When, on Wednesdays, we'll start talking about something. But you, you realize that, listen, a lot of the time, God will tell us what he wants, why he wants it. But a lot of the time, he will not tell us how to do it. And give us that uh, uh, area where our will and our wisdom and our talent and whatever will cause that thing to happen. But the thing that has to happen and why it has to happen never changes. Never changes. Do you understand? So the spirit that God has given to us never changes. The spirit of God we are talking about, it does not change. But you see, the use of it has changed. And because it's been misused and mis misappropriated and misapplied, it has been rejected by a lot of Christians. Especially modern ones. Modern Christians don't, yeah, it doesn't take all that. You don't need all that. And then we are backsliding. We are backsliding. That is why you come to church and we, can, we will have to sit there and have a formal argument about the level of sexuality, the level of alcoholism, the level of, you know, yeah, yeah. But if I'm even taking a bit of drugs, anyway, show me any scripture that says thou shalt not smoke. But that is when it comes to the application. Because the application is left to us. Acts chapter 2. Let me go back to teaching. I was giving you point by point, isn't it? I was doing good. <laughs> and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What the Bible is saying is that it doesn't mean that when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, the only sign of it is that you are speaking in tongues. It's just, it's just a symbol do you understand? It's just a symbol. What it's saying is that when you are filled with the spirit, one of the evidence of it is that you are able to speak in tongues. Do you understand? But I also want to reassure you that there are also other spirits that give other tongues. So if you are going to use just that as your qualification for it, you don't know what you are walking around with. And sometimes even other spirits give even much weirder tongues, which sound even more powerful. Have you gone to any place where they are chanting before? 
Just tell me what the difference is. If you don't know where the chanting is taking place. Yeah. Yeah. If they bring the chanting into to the altar, we'll call it tongues. But it, <laughs> some of you are wondering what I have. Is it chanting or is it Holy Spirit? <laughs> Verse 11. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speaking our tongues, the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Ask somebody, What meaneth thou? <laughs> Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken men, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. I mean, they, they drink, but not at this hour of the day. <laughs> but this is that which was spoken by the prophet, prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says the Lord. I will pour out my spirit. You see, even that even thing, he saying, I will pour. Which means that the spirit of God, when it's being given, it's not, please, I'm, until I'm waiting your place more. It, it doesn't, it's not like that, isn't it? When you say pouring, you must. But he's saying that. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men, you know, so it's, it's, it's like, you know, your daughters are prophesying, your young men are seeing visions, your old men are this, your men are going, they're going. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. He says that and on, on your servants, we haven't finished. But I don't know what you do today. And she likes panicking. <laughs> oh, may your, may your handkerchief be anointed. Your servants and your handmaidens and all the children and the adults and the grown-ups and the whites and the blacks and the colored and the, oh, the teenagers. There is nobody in your household that will not be filled. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. See, when you are being filled, when you are filled with the spirit, even when they say this cannot change, you can change it. When they say this is too high, you can bring it down. When they say this is too low, you can bring it up. Verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We know we are filled with the spirit that when people come around us and we say, call on the name of Jesus and you shall receive salvation. You see, when the spirit of God is there, people are moved to give their life to Christ. When you are a church that's filled with the spirit, people want to come into Christ. People want to know Christ. The essence of the fact that the church should be filled with the spirit is not so that we'll have manifestations. It's not so that now you are a prophet, you are this, you are an evangelist, you are whatever. Now you have power. Now you are raising the dead. Now all those things are manifestations. But the essence of it is that so that men shall be saved. You see, even the signs and wonders that were being done, they were being done so that unbelievers will want to know. They were not being done so that Christians will have more to talk about, will have more to experience. 
You see, what that does is that it turns some Christians into junkies. They always want to eat McDonald's. They like KFC. I mean, KFC is nice to an extent, but I'm not, please, still buy your KFC and go and exercise. But that is not the essence of it. The essence of it is that others should see it and come and know it. We are, we are dead, we are there, we are not going to be filled with the Spirit. So that, you see, even especially charismatic Christians, when they become filled with the Spirit, everything changes. Everything, you know, they become so deep. So, um, okay, who is leading prayer? Oh, that person is low level. I'm not coming to. Yeah. Yeah, I, let's, let's agree in prayer. Mm, no, no, no. Me and my prayer goes straight. It goes by... Um, it goes by Concord, straight to heaven. This is your jet two flight. <laughs> yeah. But that is not the essence. And that is why I'm saying this at the first service. That as we continue to talk about the spirit of God, the anointing of God, the feeling of the, in, the infilling of the spirit, is not for you to become a pompous Christian or a proud Christian. But it's for you to become a useful, productive Christian who is important to 